You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello! Welcome to the animal party. Have you got your party clothes on? Well, I sure hope so. Or are you a party animal? Do you party in the nude? Well, at this party, you can dress any way you like. You can even dress naked like your animals. Come to the party. Today, we're going to have on Lisa Peterson, Director of Communications for the AKC, calling in from New York City, coming to the party. And she's not just bringing purebred dogs today. Oh, no. Today is a new day. She's going to be bringing purebred dogs and some mutts, too. And we'll be talking all about the AKC and what they're doing for you, what you can do with them, how you can compete and have fun with your mutt or purebred dog, and how you can use their site to learn what you need to know to keep your dog safe. But we're also going to boldly go into the breed ban issue because... Lisa, as Director of Communications for the AKC, is representing the pure breeds of the world, of America, and that means that when a breed is attacked, like, oh, we don't want pit bulls or rottweilers in this neighborhood, when that happens, it's part of her job to defend it. And so we'll be talking to her about, are there really bad breeds? Is it intelligent to have legislation work that way? How should we deal with the bad breed problem? And how should we deal with bad dogs in general? And what can we do to make the world safer, but also to be fair to the dogs we've got? So we're going to talk to her all about that. Pitbulls and Rottweilers and Shepherds and Dobies. And are they really bad to the bone? Well, I don't think so. But you'll find out from her what she says. And we'll get her to solve our trivia question of the day. So what do you think? How old is the AKC, the American Kennel Club? Is it 75 years old, 100 years old, 125 years old, or 200 years old? How long have people been celebrating purebred dogs in America? What do you think? She'll answer when she comes on the show. And uh, we're going to have a great party. So stay tuned. Come back to the party after these messages from our great sponsors. Because the best is yet to come. Stick around. Pawfume Dog Grooming and Finishing Spray is proud to be a new sponsor of Pet Life Radio. Pawfume's super long-lasting sprays are available in four unique fragrances. Each Pawfume spray is fortified with the finest conditioners and detanglers to make combing out your dog more fun. Pawfume retails for only $2 per 6-ounce bottle. Pawfume is available nationwide at all Dollar General and Family Dollar stores. Why pay more to have your dog smell great? Pawfume, P-A-W-F-U-M-E. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. 
So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. Welcome back to the party. And thanks to those great sponsors who make this party possible. Now I'm looking over at the water bowl and I see our guest has arrived. Lisa Peterson, Director of Club Communications for the American Kennel Club, is here. And she's standing there. She's got a whole lot of dogs with her. And is that what I see? Those aren't just purebreds. She's got some mutts with her. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Deborah. It's good to have you. So how come you're bringing mutts along? If you're from the American Kennel Club, don't you represent purebred dogs? Well, you know, as you know, uh, you know, we've been around for 125 years, and we uh, did start as a registry for purebred dogs, and we still are the largest in the world. Um, however, we've recently opened up some of our competitions to mixed breed dogs, our agility, obedience, and rally competitions. So, um, you know, our new Canine Partners program is joining a bunch of other programs that we've had for mixed breed dogs for quite some time now. So people out there who have a dog, maybe it's purebred, but they don't have the papers and they never bothered with all the, all the um, documents, but they've got a dog out there that maybe is good at something. Maybe it listens really well or it's very athletic or it loves to retrieve. Or maybe they've got a dog who is a Heinz 57. Nobody even knows what this dog is, but it's good at stuff. They can now come to an AKC event or actually sign up and run a rally race or something like that. Can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, we have a brand new uh, website. It's akckaninepartners.org. And um, anyone with a, a mixed breed dog can sign up and uh, you can get a whole bunch of great things um, by joining, including, you know, a collar tag and uh, enrollment in our uh, companion animal recovery, which is uh, if your pet gets lost, we can help find the dog for you. And also starting next spring, we'll be offering or our clubs will be offering classes for mixed breed dogs in, in agility or obedience are also in rally. So, you know, it, it gives you plenty of time to uh, get your dog enrolled and then find a, a training club or a, a, you know, organization near you and start training your dog uh, towards uh, getting into competition and getting it in the ring so you can show off your stuff with your dog. It's really changed a lot. I mean, I think about the history of the club and how it was really a gentleman's thing, you know, gentlemen breeding dogs for particular uses like hunting and duck retrieving, you know, very specific, trying to find mates so they could have good stock to do the job well so they could eat well. And now this is way beyond that. I mean, you're talking, when I look at the AKC website, and I want to let people know, akc.org, great place to go if you want to know about anything about dogs. When you go there, there's fire safety, earthquake safety, tips on this and that, and plants that are no good and plants that are fine. And I mean, (laughs) any question you got, it's going to be there. So that's a whole new shift too, isn't it? 
Yeah, you know, our website, uh, like you said, at akc.org is full of information for any dog lover. And, you know, you bring up a good point that, you know, we've had programs for many years that um, all people can enjoy with their dogs, whether it's, uh, you know, taking the canine good citizen test or now, you know, with your puppy, you can participate in the Star Puppy Program or uh, each September our Responsible Dog Ownership Days across the country, a really great way to learn about what it means to be a responsible owner. Like if you've never had a dog before, it's it's really eye-opening for some people to, to see what, what's involved as far as the time and the resources, but also it's a, it's a great way to find out how much fun and just that canine-human bond, it's one of the most wonderful things people can experience. So, you know, we're really here to help educate the public um, about having a good time with your dog and, you know, just making sure that you have a great relationship with your dog for the life of your dog. Well, you said a couple of things that I want to pick up on, but before that, we're going to have to cut to our break and listen to a word from our sponsors. I'm just reminding everybody I'm here with Lisa Peterson, Director of Club Communications from the American Kennel Club. And when we come back, we're going to find out, okay, what is a canine good citizen? Is it a dog who votes? Is it, let's see, a dog who helps other dogs when their tire has a flat? <laughs> no, that's a good Samaritan. Okay, <laughs> what is a canine good citizen? We'll find out when we come back to the party with Lisa Peterson. this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. Give your dog some thought. With Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Why did I do this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's why. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. 
Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From speed drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Welcome back to the party. Let's head on over to Lisa Peterson and talk about the AKC. And we're going to find out what exactly is the canine good citizen. Please tell us. The, uh, the Canine Good Citizen is a, is a program uh, that is for all dogs, um, purebreds and mixed breed dogs, where you take a test. It's 10 steps. Uh, very simple things to see if your dog uh, has good manners. See if your dog has what it takes to be a, a welcome member of your community. You know, things like walking on a leash, um, accepting strangers, being groomed, uh, being held by someone while you walk out of the room. Uh, you know, coming when called is such an important task and very important for the safety of your dog as well. So, you know, by taking the canine good citizen test you you can kind of like verify your dog uh you know has good manners and then you also uh sign a form that says you understand what it means to be a responsible dog owner as well so uh you know it's a great program that you can start with your dog to maybe uh, head on down the road to competition to some other more fun things such as agility or obedience Okay, we're going to get to that. We'll talk about Agility Obedience Rally. Maybe you'll remind me because I don't want to forget. But while we're talking about Canine Good Citizen, I have to say that it comes up all the time. I get letters. I see it in the news. People wanting to ban certain breeds. They want to say, only little dogs in this apartment building or only little dogs in this part of town or uh, none of these. And then they have this big, long list starting with pit bulls, Rottweilers. Oftentimes, German Shepherds are represented there. Sometimes the dogs on the list... You shake your head. Labradors, I've seen them on an insurance list. I've got one here, actually. 75 banned or restricted dogs by uh, this uh, Society of Insurers and what they're recommending to their partners. Australian cattle dogs on there. Belgian sheepdog. Interestingly, Blue Healer is listed there. And you know what? Okay, Australian cattle dog and a Blue Healer are the same dog. This just goes to prove the point that people do not know their breeds. But (laughs) all through this list, there's so much. There's dogs there that really ought not to be there. Newfoundland is on the list. Boxers are on the list. Spitz is on. Pug is on the list. Pug. Pug, the dog that's smaller than a shoe, has a mouth that's all gumby and wrinkled. It can't even bite. It barely can breathe. It snorts along its merry little life, getting along with everyone. And it's on the list of this insurance company's uh, suggested banned dogs. So banned dogs, to me, is a huge problem. And people always want to pick on the type of dog or the breed of dog, which let's talk about that. But canine good citizen, to me, seems like the solution. If you can get your dog to pass this and you get that badge on you and on him and you walk around with that, you should be given a little bit of benefit of the doubt, I think, and it shouldn't matter what kind of dog you've got. 
Well, I can't agree with you more. I mean, the whole point about having, you know, breed bans and listing certain dogs, you know, uh, for homeowners insurance, for example, I mean, those lists are very localized. And if, you know, an insurance company has a claim and it's with, say, a pug, then the pug goes on the list, even though obviously not all pugs are bad. In fact, by just considering that, you know, a dog is either dangerous or should be banned based on its breed is akin to racial profiling and something we are totally against. I mean, you need to look at the owner of the dog. Is that owner responsible? Have they trained their dog? You know, having a canine good citizen test is a great way to say, yes, I have trained my dog, but, uh, you know, the American Kennel Club is against breed bans uh, in all scenarios, even, you know, sizes. You talked about, you know, hotels and certain, uh, you know, homeowners associations won't let you have a dog if it's more than 20 or 30 pounds. Again, they do that because they think only big dogs are dangerous and not small dogs. So really, it's the individual dog. You need a way to measure what a dangerous dog is when looking at laws. But to make it by breed is just absolutely wrong. Well, and I have a particular bone to pick, so to speak, with that kind of idea (laughs) that you would only let little dogs. Because if I'm living in an urban environment and maybe I can't afford to have a dog or I'm not able to have a dog, I still want dogs around. I want big, well-trained dogs around because they keep everybody safe wherever they are. They're a huge deterrent to anybody with evil intent that might enter the park or go on the jogging trail. Or They don't want some dog barking at them and chasing at them because they've accosted you. And so for me, if I was going to make a rule about dogs, I'd want the big, well-trained ones everywhere. That's what I'd want. So I don't even understand this, this idea that little dogs uh, should be allowed in, in urban centers. But um, to give you an idea, each year in the U.S., 350 people drown in their bathtubs. So a person is 151 times more likely to be killed in their own bathtub than they are to be killed by a pit bull. And so I think sometimes we get this idea that there's these masses of pit bulls roaming, you know, stalking people. And, you know, in 2000, uh, 13 pit bulls were involved in eight fatal attacks. But that's roughly one dog out of uh, 204,000 or in percentages, it's 0.000385% of the pit bull population. So are we really going to pick on them all because of that? I mean, it's it's really, like you say, not, not the way to go. But let's also talk about the fact that it just doesn't work. I mean, what I think, like we noticed right here in this insurance, they've listed one dog breed twice. So they obviously don't know what it looks like or what it is. When I used to work as an agent, I get calls for dogs to, to work on commercials. And I remember this one so well because they asked me for a Cocker Spaniel. And I brought blonde and black and bicolored cockers. I had five cockers with me, every kind of cocker you could want. And it turns out they had no idea what they wanted. They really wanted a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. Well, okay, now that's a professional, a person who's been in part of their job to find a specific dog for a specific role, and they're spending lots of money on it. What about a regular person who's just running and all of a sudden encounters a skirmish and maybe their adrenaline's up and they're stressed out and they're being attacked? Can they really identify the dog that attacked them? I mean, really, it's so hard. You know, you make a great point about uh, identifying a dog, and I think that's one of the problems with this type of legislation or these breed bans is that, you know, who becomes the so-called breed police to say that that is a, a pit bull or an Amstaff or that is a Labrador or that's a Newfoundland? And, and many of these laws also say it's not just the purebred dogs, but it's, it's mixed breed dogs of any of these specific breeds, and it really kind of opens it up to, to so much uh, subjective, uh, uh, you know, deciding which is a 
of a certain breed on that band. So, you know, it's it's not a good idea to, to list it by breed. Um, and also you talk about pit bulls. I mean, even in Denver where there's been a long history of, um, you know, animal control wanting to get rid of the animals and then there was a breed ban and now I believe uh, through lawsuits that that breed ban is being, you know, looked at again as maybe not being as effective as, as they thought it might be in the beginning. Well, okay, so is the AKC fighting this? Are you guys, I mean, it's sort of hard to tell where PETA is and the Humane Society and the AKC and where does everybody fit in this? I mean, where, when there's a breed that's threatened, that's you guys, right? We have a very active government relations department. We also have legislative liaisons from um, the AKC clubs across the country who are very active in alerting us to these types of breeds, and we we help them deal with lawmakers and giving them model legislation to create, you know, generic dangerous dog laws. You need something that says, you know, if a dog, you know, bites once or, you know, bites, uh, attacks another dog, uh, you know, second time, two strikes and you're out, whatever the measure is, something that can apply to all dogs to then, you know, class classify it as dangerous, you know, these are the ways that, the ways that lawmakers should a- approach laws like this uh, versus saying, you know, the um, German pincher is going to be deemed dangerous because there was one unfortunate incident with a family pet who may have bit someone. So, uh, you know, we advocate for uh, fair, reasonable laws that can be enforced because that's a big part of, of dealing with laws. It has to be enforceable. And also we want to see, you know, animal control departments, you know, get the resources that they need to enforce the laws that are already on the books. You know, if you have a good leash law in your community and it's enforceable and all dogs are on leashes, well, then that reduces any type of biting incidences that you have because owners are already, you know, keeping good control of their animals. I would add to that that there has to be decent dog parks. There have to be decent off-leash dog parks and they have to be well segregated from the non-off-leash areas and well marked with good signage, gates, posts. There has to be a feature in them and then you don't have conflict between park users. But if you don't do that, you will have conflict. And so we want to make sure that the dog owners are happy and away from the other people using the park when they're off-leash. But we have to have those off-leash areas. I want to just mention that I think a lot of the time the reason people are so worried about certain breeds is because of their strength. And, um, you know, when you look at the pit bull, if a pit bull bites a human, one in 16 times that person has to go to the hospital. Whereas if Doberman, also a very strong dog used in movies for guarding and all this sort of scary stuff, if a Doberman bites you, it's probably going to be one in 296 times that you'll end up in the hospital. So the difference in, in the severity of the bite is something that people focus on. And the news likes to pick up whenever there's a pit bull who goes crazy on somebody's llama, like I was reading from a news article a few weeks ago on air, and the police come in and they have to shoot the pit bull. Well, they shoot it twice, three times, four times, five times. Then the thing runs away and dies finally. But that's the kind of strength, unstoppable power that some breeds have. And what I say to that is is that you just got to train them. These dogs just need to be trained if they're trained well. And if you do have a dog who's a very strong, powerful dog, all the more reason to train it and get it into the canine good citizen program. People are going to judge you everywhere. They're going to prejudge your dog as a threat, as a menace. So train it so well that they can't even think that, that they can't even say that, that you have a little badge in your pocket that says otherwise. And you were telling me last time I was speaking to you that there's actually some places are, are allowing the canine good citizen to have weight. So in other words, if you have a dog that would otherwise not be allowed, but he's canine good citizen, he's exempt. And so I think that's what we have to work on. 
Right. You know, the Canine Good Citizen Program is recognized by more than 40 states and the U.S. Senate as being um, a great way to measure dogs' uh, manners and, uh, you know, suitability to be in the community to be a good citizen. And, you know, some insurance companies will look at uh, your dog if it has a Canine Good Citizen certificate if it's on the their banned breed list. So, uh, you know, that's a great thing because it says, you know, we'll look beyond our breed list because we you have proven that you're a responsible dog owner. So we can reach consider possibly giving you homeowners or renters insurance for that. And I know that there's other organizations as well, homeowners insurance that will, I mean, homeowners associations rather that will, um, you know, allow people to have dogs in the in their um, groups there if their dogs pass the canine good citizen test. So it's really something we got to be working on. If you see it in your neighborhood, if you've got a dog and you're going for training and you're looking at the different trainers and programs and there's one that offers canine good citizen, go for that one. Okay, so we're talking to Lisa Peterson from the AKC, and I want to ask you, once they've done canine good citizen and their dog now can handle everything life would throw at them, they can handle it if you have to tie them up for a second and somebody walks by or somebody drops something near them or a baby goes into a full temper tantrum within their vicinity, they can handle this kind of stuff because they've practiced and they've learned how to deal with people, they've learned what life will throw at them. Now what? Okay, you're having a good time, you're, you're enjoying being around other dog lovers, your dog's really into it. What's Rally all about? Or is that, would that be where they would start? Yeah, Rally is a great place to start after you uh, graduate from the Canine Good Citizen Program. It's a very relaxed atmosphere. It's, it's kind of like the next level up into competition with your dog uh, in a more formal setting, i.e. at a dog show, in a ring with a judge. But it's it's very fun for you and the dog because um, unlike more structured obedience trials, you can talk to your dog, you can clap your hands, you can encourage them along, and the instructions are right there in the ring with you. It's uh, 10 or so different uh, steps and you kind of go along and read the different signs, you know, turn left here, jump over here, uh, spin around over here, and, and everybody has a lot of fun with it. So it's a nice, easy way to, you know, be introduced into competition. And then if you okay, love so it's rally, not that so people aren't taking themselves that seriously, you can laugh and kids can participate, that kind of thing? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's very much uh, a fun day uh, for you and your dog, but it also gives you the opportunity to, to go towards a goal because there are titles that you can earn for your dog uh, in rally uh, based on, the, you know, the various levels that you go in. And, and I think one of the things that people really don't realize until they start competing with their dog is that, you know, that canine-human bond I talked about before is so wonderful and we all love it so much. That's why we all have dogs. But when you start training for competition, you, you almost, uh, you know, jump to the next level of communication with your dog and then doing the competition and then, you know, training ahead of time. It's something that's just so absolutely enjoyable that unless you start doing it, you didn't really know it existed before. So, you know, we highly recommend that people, you know, take the, take the next step with their dogs and, you know, start doing some competitions and start, you know, challenging themselves and their dogs. You get to travel with your dog. You get to meet new people who love dogs just as much as you do. And, uh, you know, you can also, uh, you know, uh, win ribbons and things. So it's, it's a ton of fun. Well, I like what you said about that. You know, sometimes when I'm working with Heel and I'm just doing obedience training here at Camp Good Dog with some people and their dogs, I find that the dog is so bored and it's become a, an argument where the dog's saying faster and the person's saying slower and this has been going on maybe for years and every day the person walks the dog anyway and takes it to the park anyway and even though it drags them there, they have this little argument. So the dog thinks that's just part of walking. 
It doesn't know that heel can be fun. And so I get them just to do, you know, two steps backwards, two steps to the side. Say heel, now go faster. Say heel, now go really slow. Make the dog not know what's coming next. Make him actually use his brain and his body to match his steps to yours. And you're going to find a dog who thinks heel is fantastic. It's so interesting. You know, and that's what this is like. You, you turn the dog on to communicating with you in a whole different way. For him, it's a big game with a lot of really cool rules that suit him, you know. <laughs> It's like what he does best. And you'll see for the right dog. I mean, it'll really, really work. Speaking of travel, though, if you've got a kid who loves your dog and wants to compete in something or participate in something, try and find World Canine Freestyle. And that's, in layman's terms, that's dancing with dogs. They're always looking for kids. They have a shortage of kids involved in it. If you get a kid with a dog involved in that, they will send you all over. That kid and dog will end up going to Las Vegas and amazing places and performing. And they go all out. Campy costumes, routines. The kid has to love to dance, and he or she has to love the dog. But uh, check that out online if you want to know more about uh canine freestyle. But um, so, okay, so after rally, they're doing well at rally. Now what? Should the retriever people go try some trials or should, like, what, what are we looking at here? I think there's different, different dogs for different jobs, to be sure. You don't want to be entering your Jack Russell to go retrieve ducks, or do you? And the tunneling, and there's everything, right? Dogs do everything, don't they? Yeah, you know, we have so many different sports for different breeds, and, and it depends on your own lifestyle and what you like to do. I mean, if, if you, you know, don't want to do agility and, and jumping, but you have a dachshund, you could try Earth Dog. Or if you have a collie, you could try a herding test. Or a retriever, you can try some of the hunt tests or field trials. You know, it's, there's just so much to do that, um, you know, or if you have a, you know, a, a registered purebred, you can even come to the confirmation shows and shows as well. And there is a junior section as well for kids. So, you know, there's just so much to do and it's so diverse because the dog breeds as you know there's just they're as diverse as people's lifestyle so you know you find a great breed for your lifestyle and you can also find a great activity and event to compete in so if you've got a beagle or some little uh, short-legged dog that's always got its nose to the ground and is into everything and is always getting through things that's not necessarily a bad thing <laughs> you may have no, a champion not. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, there's a whole a whole sport we have called tracking, which is all they do is use their nose. <laughs> so, yeah. Or let's say you've those. got a really spinny dog. At least some people say so. Gosh, there's people out there who would get mad at me for that. But anyway, let's say you've got a really tall, beautiful dog who loves to run and chase things, flapping in the wind. Okay, you sighthound people know I'm talking about you. You Afghan people. There's actually events where people ride bicycles with flapping things for them to chase. I mean, there's there's really everything in this for every dog. There's the stuff for the standard poodles and the Airedales who want to show off at the agility. Let's talk about agility. Okay, it's not just for those dogs, but it is for bright dogs who have good self-control, isn't it? You know, agility is for all dogs, you know, now mixed breeds as well. So, it, and it's and it's based on the height of your dog. So, you know, you'll you'll jump smaller jumps if you're a little dog and, and bigger ones if you're a tall dog. But uh, the great thing about it is there's different types of classes and a way to compete. You know, you can do jumps. You can do different types of equipment like A-frames and weave poles and jumping through the tunnels and, and the, you know, the tire jumps and all that. So, you know, it, it, it again, it, it can match your ability to want to compete a lot or just compete a little bit. 
it. There's also preferred classes, which are a little shorter jumps in case you want to start a little more slowly than regular competition. So, you know, it's all about uh, just having fun, and there's a, a ton of opportunities to do it. So uh, it is the fastest-growing sport in America, and, you know, agility was based on Grand Prix horse show jumping, which um, is really fun as well. So it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's an active sport. It's a fast-paced. It's fun to watch. You can get behind your favorite dogs. Uh, you know, even each year, the U.S., the AKC, sends a team to international competition. So it's a, I, I think it's just a wonderful sport. Oh, right on. Okay. So, um, and it looks like an obstacle course, right? It looks like dogs racing around doing complicated things with teeter-totters and balancing and diving through hoops, and right? That's... That, that's like. it. Yeah, it is an obstacle course. Absolutely. Okay. So some of these other things, if you had, let's say, a Border Collie or an Australian Shepherd or any dog that showed an inclination to herd, you could be calling the AKC or looking on the website and finding the herding dog clubs and finding places where you could teach your dog to herd. You know, you might have to dress in warm weather gear this time of year, but there's lots of people out there who are into this stuff. You can, you can do anything. Any job that your type of dog would be good at, there's probably some place to do it. Even labs jumping into the water, pulling out buoys. That's done. Like, <laughs> there's really everything. So really, we should be having fun with our dogs. And these kind of things, I mean, they get you out and socializing, but they also get you fit. You know, when your dog's learning this stuff, you're actually working out as hard as he is. He's not going through this course by himself the first few times. So it's good for everybody. <laughs> I want to yeah, talk a little bit about flyball and just caution people. If you're thinking of joining flyball and you already have a dog who barks incessantly or too much, you might want to think against it because it is something where I strongly recommend that only people with quiet dogs where barking isn't a problem go into it and that you teach your particular dog to be quiet when he's there and before he goes and after he goes because it can be a real discipline problem. But I will say that with flyball, if you have a dog who is really good at it, really good at jumping over stuff and fetching balls, obsessed with balls and really good at jumping over stuff, if you have a dog like that super, super fast and he happens to be really short, then you have the ringer because the jumps get set at the height of the shortest dog. So there will be teams that will want you. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the AKC and what's coming up next. Well, I think uh, what's coming up next for us is uh, in December, we have the very big uh, AKC Yukonuba National Championship Dog Show, uh, which will be aired on Animal Planet um, in January, or in February, I think. And that, this year, to celebrate our 125th anniversary, uh, it's going to be an open dog show for everybody to come enter. It's usually an invitational. So, uh, you know, we encourage people to come and, uh, you know, enter their dogs uh, and uh, just, you know, be a part of history. It's going to be a, a great fun. There's also Meet the Breeds there. It's going to be in Long Beach, California uh, in December. So, um, you know, it's a great place to come out and, um, you know, see different breeds, learn about different breeds to see if they match your lifestyle or not, and also catch some of the action in the arena with the, with the show dogs. Do you remember a few years ago, it's probably 10 years ago now, although I'm remembering it more recently because I think it, it got restated in the news. Do you remember they came out with all this gene research and they traced the different breeds of dogs and they'd figured out kind of what in groupings? And they sort of redefined the groupings we used to have. The AKC and other clubs used to have these groupings of sporting dogs, non-sporting, herding, this kind of thing. And they figured out that there were a couple that we kind of got wrong. Do you remember that? The Border Collie well, was actually in the hunting group. 
and um, who else was yeah, kind what, of strange? What you're about you know? was, was the uh, the mapping of the canine genome, um, you mm-hmm. know, through genetic research. Um, we didn't change any of our groups based on um, the genetic makeups of the dogs. They were they thought what scientists thought was that say you know the uh, one breed came from maybe this family of dogs, and they decided they found out genetically that no, maybe it came it came actually from this family. So if you're looking at a big family tree of all the dog breeds and how they developed into what they are today, you know, there was a little bit of shifting throughout that. But as far as our groups, um, we still have the seven groups um, and all the breeds are still where they were uh, going back to 125 years ago. So uh, genetically, we know better now where they may have come from, but they're grouped now based on their form and, and, and their function, which, you know, to your point was great, you know, give your dog a job to do and base it on what his original function was to do. So if you have that herding dog or the lure coursing dog or the sporting dog, uh, you know, you can uh, certainly let that dog uh, take its natural instincts and have fun with it by competing. For me, it was a little bit eye-opening when they put the border collie in the hunting, not the herding class. It kind of made sense to me, real sense. And when the German shepherd landed in herding, not guarding, that made sense. It to- so rang true with my experience that border collies, I love, I love, 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 love border collies. And I love to work them with goats and herds and cows. And I've done a lot of work that way. And, and they're just, for me anyway, they're the fastest. Okay, they learn the fastest. They also make mistakes the fastest and their mistakes are big because they just got extra energy. So I find that thinking of them as somehow apart from the healers and the Kelpies and the other herding dogs I've worked with, it made so much sense. They've got a little bit more edge. And then uh, hearing that the shepherd, who I often have people come here frustrated because they're German shepherd, to them is whiny or wimpy or yippy or yappy or not the big watcho dog they thought they were getting. And that he's in the herding group makes so much sense to me. Now, they're not whiny or any of those things. They have tons of character. They're great communicators, but they're not exactly what people think. They're not police dogs, unless they're trained to be police dogs. They're actually good family herding dogs. So I think it's quite interesting what what we can discover about our breeds. And I know your site is full of information. If people want to get a dog and they just don't know what kind, or they want to get a dog, they like the look of it, but maybe they're not sure if they can exercise it enough, or maybe they're not sure if it's good with kids, or this kind of thing, they can go to your site and find out all about the breeds, right? Right. Um, At AKC.org, we have all 161 of our recognized breeds there. Um, you know, you can click on the breed picture and you can learn all about its history, see photos and videos, you know, fun facts about your dog, your breed that you like. And also there's great um, resources. You can find a parent club, you can find breeder referral, you can go to our online breeder classifies to look for AKC registered litters. So, I mean, it's really like a one-stop shopping place for all things about dog breeds uh, if you're looking to match a purebred dog uh, to your lifestyle. Okay, so since the AKC is now sort of recognizing and allowing to participate the MUDs, let me ask you something. If you knew someone who had a Havanese crossed with a Shih Tzu, what would you call that dog? Um, <laughs> I would call it a mixed-breed dog. <laughs> you would yeah, call you know, it a Havashet? Uh, no, because, uh, no, <laughs> I wouldn't. Oh, come on. I really need to have a shit. I really need to get a have a shit. Oh, it's so great. I think that's so funny. I got sent that in an email, and they wanted me to come up with a better name. And I said, I guess if you don't have a sense of humor, you could call it a have a sue. But really, have a shit. What a name for a dog. Oh, my goodness. That's a good name. <laughs> okay. So, um... For the AKC's future, what are we looking at? We've got that big event coming up in California. Then we have the January in New York, right? 
Well, um, what's coming up in January, every year um, AKC releases its top 10 dog breeds in America. And so there's always some new news that kind of pops up. In the last two years, the Bulldog jumped into number 10. Uh, a couple of years before that, the Yorkshire Terrier went to number 2. So uh, we're uh, anticipating some new results for, for January of next year. So uh, you know, stay tuned to see what the uh, top 10 dog breeds are for, uh, for 2009, which will come out in January. And then uh, in February, of course, is the uh, Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show, which is one of AKC's uh, oldest clubs that has their big dog show here in New York City. So, uh, you know, a lot of great stuff coming up. Again, also, uh, you talked about agility. Uh, at the end of January, uh, Animal Planet is going to be airing our agility uh, uh uh, invitational, which was uh, which will be held in Long Beach as well. So, you know, go to akc.org. You can find all the televised events that are going to be coming up on our website. So you can catch all the action on TV if you can't make it there in person to see it. Well, thank you very much. I actually have an email from a listener about a bulldog problem, so I'm going to do that today. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today and telling us all about the AKC. Thank you, Deborah. Okay, everybody. So that was Lisa Peterson, Director of Communications at the AKC. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been great. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Well, that was a great show with Lisa Peterson. And because she mentioned Bulldog at the top of the list, I want to tell you all that it has been circulating that Bulldogs can't swim. And so I've had a bunch of people sending me emails about that, Elsa last week and then three more this week, asking me, is it really true? How can that be? What, what do I do if my bulldog's around water? And okay, the thing about bulldogs is most of them really, really are fascinated by water and they want water and they want to seek it out and they want to get in there. But many of them are really not built the way other dogs are built. Many of them have tiny, tiny short legs and really heavy, heavy bodies. And so... They need to be taught how to swim. They're not just like a regular dog. Throw the ball in and he'll dive in and go down to the bottom. So what I want to suggest to you all is for anyone boating, you need a life jacket on your dog. Because even the strongest swimming retrieving dog could get hit in the head by the mast and go under. You could have a storm. He could get knocked by debris. He's not going to be able to swim if he's not conscious. So they have pet life jackets with a big uh, hook on the back. And so you can just use any kind of pole to scoop them out of the water in rough seas. The dog will stay floating with his head above just like a regular life jacket. So first of all, get that if you're around water. You want your dog to have that on him. And then also teach him how to swim. Take him in. Have a harness and a leash on him and uh, teach him how to swim so you know his limits and so he knows his limits and uh, so you all get accustomed to how to get in and out, exits and entries. Uh, That's really, really important with bulldogs. All right. So I want to remind you all that we're going to be having a pet communicator on the show, Tim Link. And he's the author of Pet Tales, which is a book all about his communications with other people's pets. And so if you would like your dog or cat read, if you would like a reading, if you have a dog or cat, maybe there's something wrong with it and the vets just can't find it and you've got this question, what is wrong with Kitty? Or why does Rover always run away? Or why does Rover hate Kitty? If there's some question that's really bothering you about your pet, you want to know what he's thinking or feeling, then send me a picture to Deborah at Pet Life Radio. Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H at Pet Life Radio. And what you want to do is make sure your pet is looking right at the camera. So his or her eyes are showing really well, really well lit. Tim says he has to see the expression. He has to really see their face and their eyes to be able to give a reading. And so the best pictures, the ones that are the most clear with the most expression, I'll send on to him. And then once we have a collection of them, we'll have them on the show. And you can tell me yourself if you think that he's reading your pet. I'm going to give him some of mine and uh, 
some of the pets I know from Camp Goodog to see if I think he's accurate. And um, I have my guest, Dusty Rainbolt, from last week wants to give him one that she thinks will stump him. She wants to see if he knows something about her pet that is really hard to know. So we'll talk about that in the future. Okay, everybody, come back to the party. Party on with your pets and have a great week. Bye-bye for now. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.